Rex Stout's Nero Wolf. Starring Mabel Moore as Nero Wolf and Don Franks as Archie Goodwin. The Next Witness, with guest stars Terry Tweed, Robert Christie, Michael Ayub, and Dixie Seatle. I call Clyde Bagby to the stand. It was the third day of the trial, and the assistant district attorney had just called his fifth witness, which meant that Nero Wolf would be called to the stand next. I had been subpoenaed, too, in case corroboration was needed. Yes, sir, I do. Will you tell the jury your name and occupation? Uh, Clyde Bagby. I'm president and owner of uh, Bagby Answers Incorporated. What is the nature of your business? Well, it's a telephone answering business, that's all. It's not, not a big one, really, because I, uh, I specialize in serving individuals instead of businesses or firms. Is one of your offices at 618 East 69th Street, Manhattan? Yes, sir. Describe the operation at that address. Well, uh, that's my newest place and uh, my smallest, so it's not an office building, really. It's, uh, it's, it's just an apartment. I, uh, I had to have it in an apartment because of the labor law. You, you can't have women working in an office building after 2 a.m. I, uh, I have to uh, give my clients all-night service, so uh, I've got three operators who live right there in the apartment. That way, I always have someone for the night shifts. Are the switchboards installed in one of the rooms of the apartment? Yes, sir. Tell the jury what one of them is like and how it works. Oh, well, uh, for each client, <clears throat> there's a little uh, light and a, a cubbyhole and a card strip with uh, the client's name. When someone dials a client's number, his uh, light goes on and uh, a buzz synchronizes with the ringing of the client's phone. How many buzzes the girl counts before she plugs in depends on what client it is. Some want her to plug in after three buzzes, some longer. That's the kind of uh, a specialized, uh, individualized service I give my customers. Uh, you see, the big outfits, they, they don't do that. Uh, uh, thank you, they... Mr. Bagby, but I wasn't buzzing for a plug for your business. Uh, <laughs> yeah. now, I thought that joke a little out of place at a murder trial, so I glanced over at my boss, Nero Wolf, sitting beside me, but he wasn't registering anything but martyrdom. Morose martyrdom. Nero Wolf hates to leave his house under any circumstances, and a courtroom bench hasn't been built to hold his seventh of a ton, especially in a crowded courtroom. And he'd had to suffer this for three days now because of a mere ten-minute acquaintance with the accused, Leonard Ash. I think uh, that gives us a clear picture of the operation. Uh, now, Mr. Bagley, please look at that gentleman in the dark blue suit sitting next to the officer. He is the defendant in this trial. Do you know him? Yes, sir. That's Mr. Leonard Ash. When and where did you meet him? Uh, in July, he uh, came to my office on 47th Street. Can you give me the day in July? Yeah, the uh, 12th, the Monday. What did he say? He said he uh, wanted my uh, answering service for his home telephone. Did he want any special service? Well, he didn't ask me for any, but uh, two days later, he contacted Marie Willis and offered her $500. Objection. Sustain. Uh, Mr. Bagby, just answer my questions. Did you accept Leonard Ash as a client? Well, sure. There's no reason not to. 
So his name and number were given a place on one of your switchboards. Yes, sir. What was the name of the employee who attended that board? The one with Leonard Ash's number on it. Marie Willis in the daytime. And Leonard Ash's number was on Marie Willis's board. Yes, sir. After the routine arrangements for serving Leonard Ash as a client had been completed, did anything happen to bring him or his number to your personal attention? Yes, sir. What and when? First when? Well, it was a Thursday, uh, about three days after Ash had ordered the service. Uh, Marie phoned me at my office and said she wanted to see me uh, privately about something important. So, uh, a little after six, I went up to 69th Street and we went into her room at the apartment. She told me Ash had phoned her the day before and asked her to meet him somewhere to uh, discuss some details about servicing his number. She told him such a discussion should be with me, but he insisted that... If your honor pleases, I submit that the witness may not testify to what Marie Willis and Mr. Ash said to each other when he was not present. Certainly not. He is reporting what Marie Willis told him had been said. That should be kept clear. You understand that, Mr. Bagby? Yes, sir. I, I mean, Your Honor. Then go ahead. What Miss Willis said to you and you to her. Well, uh, she said she'd uh, agreed to meet Ash because he was a theatrical producer and uh, <clears throat> and she wanted to be an actress. I hadn't known she was stage struck, but I, I, I know it now. So uh, uh, she'd gone to his office and he told her. Now, this is what she told me. He told her he wanted her to listen in on calls to his home number during the daytime. How could she do that? Well, all she'd have to do when his uh, light on her board went off. Uh, well, that would mean that someone had answered the phone at his home. Well, she'd just plug in and listen to the conversation. And she told you Mr. Ash asked her to do that? Yes, sir. And to phone him each evening and report. And that's what she said. And he offered her $500 if she would do it. Did she say anything else? Yes, sir. She said she uh, she knew she should have turned him down flat, but she didn't want to make him sore, so she told him she wanted to think it over. Then she told me she had slept on it and decided what to do. She was convinced that what Ash was after was phone calls to his wife. And aside from anything else, she wasn't going to spy on his wife because his wife was uh, Robina Keene, the actress. And, uh, well, Marie worshipped Robina Keene as her ideal. And, well, that's what Marie told me. Did she tell you what she had decided to do? Yes, sir. Three things. Tell me about it because she was working for me. Tell Rabina Keene about it to warn her because uh, Ash would probably get someone else to do the spying for him. You know, uh, it, it occurred to me the real reason for her wanting to tell Rabina Keene. What occurred that... to you isn't material, Mr. Bagley. Now, did Marie tell you the third thing she had decided she must do? Yes, sir, that uh, she must tell Ash that uh, she was going to tell his wife. She said uh, she had to do that because she promised him she would keep it confidential, so she uh, she had to warn him she was taking back her promise. Did she say when she intended to do those three things? Yes, well, she, she'd already done one of them, telling me. Uh, she said she'd phoned Ash and told him she would be at the office at 7 o'clock. Well, that was crowding it a little because she had the evening shift and would have to be back at the boards at 8. It crowded me, too, because it gave me no time to talk her out of it. I even went downtown with her in a taxi where Ash's office was and did my best, but I couldn't move her. What did you say to her? I tried to get her to lay off. Well, I could drop him as a client, forget it. But she was dead set on warning Rabina Keene. And to do that, she had to uh, take back her promise to Ash. Well, I hung on until she got in the elevator to go up to Ash's office, but 
I couldn't budge her. Did you go with her? Oh, no, that wouldn't have helped any. Well, what did I do? Then you didn't go up to Ash's office with Marie Willis? No, sir. Did you go up later at any time after she had gone up? No, sir. Did you see Ash at all that evening? No, sir. Did you speak to him on the telephone that evening? No, sir. What did you do that evening after you saw Marie Willis enter the elevator to go up to Ash's office? I took a taxi home, and about 10 o'clock, I, I, I got a phone call from the police to say that Marie Willis had been found murdered in my office. And I went there as fast as I could, and, and there was a crowd out in front, and a, an officer took me upstairs. The, the, they hadn't moved her. They'd, uh, they'd taken the blood cord from around the throat. They hadn't we'll moved her. What? There she was, slumped over on the ledge in front of the board. Excuse me, too. I need to identify her, and I had to. The hardest thing I've had to do in my life. I've never seen anyone have been strangled before. But it was her, all right. The same clothes and everything. We want a taxi, but first a word with you. No, sir. First a word from me. What? Mandelbaum may finish with that witness any minute. You were told you'd follow back. I know. If you want a taxi, of course, you're going home. And that I'm you... not going home. I can't. Right. If you do, you'll just get hauled right back here with a fat fine for contempt of court. Not to mention me. I'm under subpoena, too, remember? Where are you going? To 618 East 69th Street. To bag these answers? Why? I'll explain on the way. I'm going back to the court. No. I'll need you. All right, shoot. I've heard you do a lot of explaining, but this will have to be good. You know, it's preposterous. It sure is. Let's go back. I mean, Mr. Mandelbaum's thesis that Leonard Ash killed that girl. Leonard Ash is not an imbecile. I refuse to believe he'd go to that place at that time to kill her. You were present when he called on me that day to hire me. Do you believe it? I pass. But I find it hard to believe his story. That a man phoned him a voice he didn't recognize and said if Ash would meet him at the Bagby place, he thought they could talk Marie out of it. And when Ash got there, the door was open and there she was with a plug cord around her throat. So he opened up the window and yelled for the police. Do you believe that? Pui, I didn't like it. But it may be true. Huh? And another thing I didn't like was sitting there on that confounded wooden bench with a smelly woman against me. <laughs> oh, now we're getting to it. By the way, that smell was Tissot's passion flower and it's $80 an ounce. Lily Roneways. Soon I was to be called as a witness, and my testimony would have been an effective corroboration of Mr. Bagby's testimony. It was intolerable. I will not be a party to a judicial transgression. Let's see if I get you. The reason you're scooting is you can't bear to help convict Ash of murder because you doubt he's guilty. That's close enough. It's not close enough for me. What are we going to do with Bagby's answering? We'll see when we get there. Taxi! I've just come from the courtroom where Leonard Ash is being tried. This is my assistant, Mr. Goodwin. Yes? We're checking on subpoenas that have been served on the witnesses of both the prosecution and the defense. Are uh, Miss Hart and Miss Velarde and Miss Welch here? I'm Alice Hart, and that's Bella Velarde on board, too. Helen uh, Welch isn't here. It's her day off. Uh, We've all had subpoenas, but... Aren't you Nero Wolf, the detective? Yes. What do you want? I want information, madam. I want you and the other two ladies to answer some questions. We have no information. But I won't get any, but I'm going to try. Who sent you? Autokinesis. There's a cardinal flaw in the assumption that Leonard Ash killed Marie Willis, and I don't like flaws. It has made me curious. A flaw? Take my board, will you, Bella? I won't be long. We'll go to my room. This way. Now, one moment, Miss Hart. 
point not covered in the newspaper accounts. Marie Willis's body was found slumped over the ledge in front of the switchboard. And presumably she was seated at the switchboard when the murderer arrived. But yes. uh, you live here, you and the others. Yes. Then if the murderer was Mr. Ash, how did he know she was alone on the premises? Oh, I don't know. Perhaps she told him she was. Is that the flaw? <laughs> Good heavens, no. Come in, please. My time is limited. Now, what is this flaw? I am the Inquisitor, Miss Hart, not you. I wa- What's the matter? That, that painting on your wall, that's a Van Gogh, isn't it? And unless I'm very much mistaken, an original. Where did you get that picture? That is none of your business. It isn't, but uh, here is the situation. <laughs> you have been questioned by the police and the district attorney's office, but they were restrained by their assumption that Leonard Ash was the culprit. Now, since I reject that assumption and must find another in its stead, there can be no limit to my impertinence with you and others who may be involved. I'll take you and that picture. If you refuse to say where you got it, or if your answer doesn't satisfy me, I'll put a man on it and you'll find out. You can't escape being badgered, madam. The question is whether you suffer it here and now by me or face a prolonged inquiry among your friends and associates by more meddlesome men. What does it matter where I got that picture? Probably it doesn't. Possibly nothing about you matters. But that picture is a treasure, and this is an odd address for it. Do you own it? Yes, I bought it. When? About a year ago from a dealer. The contents of this room are yours? Yes, I like things that... Well, th this is my extravagance. It's my only one. How long have you been with this firm? Five years. What's your salary? A hundred and fifty dollars a week. Ah, not enough for your extravagance, hmm? An inheritance, perhaps? Alimony? No, I have never married. Mr. Wolf, if you save for fifteen years, I think you do have a right to something. You have indeed. Where were you the evening that Marie Willis was killed? I was out in Jersey in a car with a friend, Bella Velarde, to get cooled off. It was a hot night, all right? We got back after midnight. Uh, of course, the police have asked if you know of anyone who might have had a motive for killing Marie Willis. Do you? No. Were you friendly with her? Yes, friendly enough. Has any client ever asked you to listen in on calls to his number? Certainly not. Uh, did you know Miss Willis wanted to be an actress? Yes, we all knew that. Mr. Bagby says he didn't. He was her employer. I don't suppose he did know. When did you talk with Mr. Bagby? I didn't. Heard him on the witness stand. Did you know of Miss Willis's regard for Robina Keene? Yes, we all knew that, too. Marie did imitations of Robina Keene in her roles. Huh. When did she tell you of her decision to inform Robina Keene that her husband was going to monitor her telephone? I didn't say she told me. Did she? No. Did anyone? Yes, Miss Velarde. Marie had told her... Uh, you can ask her. I shall. Do you know Guy Unger? Yes, I know him. Uh, not very well. He, w he was a friend of Marie Willis's. And what was the nature of his relationship with Miss Willis? Uh, I'm sure I don't know. Miss Willis must have talked about it. Uh, not to me. We were never very close. Uh, maybe to Bella, Miss Velarde. Ah. Uh, well, I would like to speak now to Miss Velarde. Well, certainly. You can wait in her room. It's just next door. Go, go ahead in. I'll send her along. Huh. Certainly a contrast in rooms. Yes, sir. 
Oh, Miss Velarde is a crack lever. A what? She never quite closes doors or drawers. Oh. She is also a philanthropist. Indeed? She donates to the cause of equine genetics. Meaning? She bets on horse races. She subscribes to racing form and track dope. Ah. Archie, open drawers. Have one open when she enters. I want to see how much impudence these creatures will tolerate. Hmm. This photograph. Miss Velarde and another woman. And do you recognize the man? Now, I could be wrong. It's been two months since the newspapers had a picture of him. Well, that's, that's Sky Unger. Find more of him. They're taking their time out there. I'd say Miss Velarde's getting a thorough briefing from our Miss Hart. Here she comes. This should get her. Miss Hart says you want to ask me something. Uh, sit down, Miss Velarde. <clears throat> do you know what a hypothetical question is? Of course I do. I have one for you. If I put three expert investigators on the job of finding out approximately how much you've lost betting on horse races in the past year, how long do you think it would take them? I I don't know. I do. With luck, five hours. Without it, five days. It would be simpler for you to tell me. How much have you lost? How do you know I've lost anything? There's a fair chance that you keep a record of your gains and losses. Archie, your search was interrupted. Resume. See if you can find it. You may watch if you like, Miss Velarde. There's no question of pilfering. Look, Mr. Wolf, there's no secret about my liking to bet on the races. But the amounts I bet, that's different. You see, I have friends who... Well, they don't want people to know they bet, so they give me money to bet for them. Mm. So it's about $100 a week, and sometimes more. Maybe up to 200 Let's see. Um, what's your salary? Oh, it's only 120 so of course I can't bet much myself. Of course. About the windows in that front room. In summer weather, when one of you's on duty there at night, are the windows open? Well, when it's hot, yes. Usually the one in the middle. If it's very hot, maybe all of them. With the shades up? Yes. It was hot on July 15th. Were the windows open that night? I don't know. I wasn't here. Where were you? I was out in Jersey, in a car with a friend, Alice Hart, to get cooled off. Now, we got back after midnight. Ah, yeah. If the windows were open and the shades up on the evening of July 15th, as they almost certainly were, would anyone in her senses have proceeded to kill Marie Willis so exposed to view? What do you think? I know. I would have been... No, I don't think so. Ah, then she or he must have closed the windows and drawn the shades before proceeding. Then how could Leonard Ash and the circumstances have given have managed that without alarming Miss Willis? I don't know. He might have... No, I, I He might have what? Nothing. I don't know. How well do you know Guy Unger? I know him fairly well. Have you seen much of him in the past two months? No, very little. When was this snapshot taken? Oh, that. You took that from my drawer. What else did you take? You get out of here. Get out and stay out. Uh, come, Archie. There seems to be a limit after all. Wait. Wait a minute. Uh, I didn't mean that. I flare up like that. I just... I don't care about the damn picture. It's just... When was it taken? About two weeks ago. 
two weeks ago Sunday. Who is the other woman? Helen Welch. Was Guy Unger Miss Welch's companion or yours? We were just together. Nonsense. Well, Guy and Helen, I was just with them. Then I take it that since Miss Willis died, Mr. Unger's interest is centered on Miss Welch's. I don't know about centers. They seem to like each other. Where is Miss Welch? This is her day off. That I know. Where can I find her? I, I think she's up at her place. She rented for the summer in Katona. You think so? You're not sure? Do you want me to phone and find out? Yes, if you would. I want to talk to her. refuses to ride in the front seat of a car because when the crash comes, the broken glass will carve him up. Also, it takes most of the back seat to hold his bulk. And he rarely talks in a car because he sits with his fists and jaws clamped tight as a vice. Is that a siren, Archie? Yeah. It's a Parkway police car coming up behind us. You know, uh, when you were having the car sent down, I phoned home. Fritz said there'd been four calls. One from an officer of the court, one from the DA's office, and two from Inspector Kramer. Oh, swell. Would Kramer have sent out an alarm? Well, the way he'd like to pin your scalp to his wall, I wouldn't put it past him. And we're about to find out. <sighs> no. Not this time. Archie Goodwin, I'm Helen Welts. Mr. Wolf? Yes. Uh, give me a hand, Archie. Ah. It's, a, it's a real pleasure. Uh, this is uh, Guy Unger. How'd you do? Hello. Uh, let's uh, sit in the shade of the old apple tree, shall we? Oh, thank you. I prefer to sit. Uh, you didn't give me a chance on the phone. I, I didn't want you to have a trip for nothing. You see, I, I can't tell you anything about that awful business of what happened to Marie. I... I really can't because I don't know anything. I was out on the sound on a boat. Didn't Bella tell you? That's not the kind of thing I'm after, Miss Welch. Huh? Such routine matters as checking alibis have certainly been handled by the police. My attack must be eccentric. Uh, <clears throat> for instance, when did Mr. Unger get here? Oh, why, just... Now, uh... wait a minute. Just forget me. I'm looking on. That's all. Ah... A substantial chair. Thank you. Now, I'll explain, Miss Welch, why I ask when Mr. Unger got here. When I spoke with Miss Hart and Miss Villardi, I was insufferable, both in manner and in matter, and they should have ordered me out, but they didn't. Manifestly, they were afraid to, and I intend to know why. I assume that you know why. I know. I assume that after I left... Miss Hart phoned you again, but she also phoned Mr. Lunger, or you did, and he was enough concerned about me to hurry to get here before I arrived. <laughs> I heard about you being on your way about ten minutes ago when I got here. Mr. Lunger, I'll probably finish sooner with Miss Welch if you withdraw. For twenty minutes, say? I think I'd better stay. Then please don't prolong it with interruption. Now you behave yourself, Guy. I'll tell you what I think, Mr. Wolf. I think he just wants to show you how smart he is. You see, when I told him that Nero Wolf was coming, well, you should have heard him. <laughs> he said, maybe you're famous for brains, and he isn't, but he'd like to hear you prove it. Well, he did. Something like that, anyway. I don't pretend to have brains. I was just scared. Oh? Scared of what? Well, scared of you. I mean, wouldn't anybody be scared if they knew you were coming up to, to grill them? Not enough to send for help. 
Certainly not if they had the alternative of snubbing me, as you have. Why don't you choose it? Why do you suffer me? <laughs> ah, now that's a question. <laughs> I'll show you why. You see, I didn't want to miss a chance to touch the great Nero Wolf. There. Now I have patted the head of the great detective, and the strain's been too much. I need a little drink. Helen, having touched me, you still suffer me. I'm sure Miss Hart told you that I reject the thesis that Leonard Ash killed Marie Willis and proposed to discredit it. I hope to establish a reasonable doubt of his guilt. Can you give it to me? Of course not. How could I? One way would be to suggest someone else with motive and opportunity. Can you? <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're funny. I mean, the way they had us down there at the DA's office and, and the way they kept after us, you know, asking all about Marie and everybody she knew. And, of course, they wanted to find out if there was anybody besides that man, Ash, that might have killed her. Well, now they're trying Ash, and they wouldn't be trying him if they didn't think they could prove it. And here you come and expect to drag it out of me in 20 minutes. I mean, don't you think that's funny for a famous detective like you? Because <laughs> I do. Helen, I think you've had enough to drink. No, Miss Welch, no. The most I expected was support for my belief that you people have common knowledge of something that you don't want revealed. And you have given me that. I don't know what you're talking about. Nonsense. You're at the edge of hysteria. I am not. Take it easy, Helen. Uh, look, Wolf, I don't get this. As I understand it, what you're after is an out for Leonard Ash on the murder, is that right? Yes. And that's all? Yes. Would you mind telling me, uh, did Ash's lawyer hire you? No. Who did? Nobody. I developed a distaste for my function as a witness for the prosecution, along with a doubt of Mr. Ash's guilt. Why doubt his guilt? Divination. Contrariety. <laughs> I see. You're shooting at it on spec. Okay, I'll humor you. Do you regard me as a suspect? In a word, yes. Okay. So did the cops for a while. Because just before she was killed, Marie and I had been having a little thing, you know? But that's absolutely all there was to it. The cops found absolutely nothing in my relations with Marie that could possibly have made me want to kill her. Any questions? No. And if they had dug up a motive, they would have been stuck with it. Because I certainly couldn't have killed her the evening of July 15th. At 10 o'clock that night, I was asleep on my boat at an anchorage near New Haven. My friend Ralph Ingalls was with me and his wife and Helen here. Right. Of course, the police checked it, but you're welcome to check it yourself if you care to. Any more questions? Uh, one or two. What is your occupation? For God's sake, you haven't read the papers. Yes, I have, but that was weeks ago, and as I remember it, they were vague. Broker, I believe. Stockbroker? Uh, no, I'm a freewheeler. I handle anything. Have you an office? I don't need one. Have you handled any transactions for anyone connected with Bagby Answers Incorporated? Any kind of transactions? That's a funny kind of question. Why do you ask that? Because I suspect the answer is yes. Why? Just for curiosity. Now, Mr. Unger. Do you suppose I would have made this excursion completely at random? If you find the question embarrassing, don't answer it. It's not embarrassing. I'll tell you. I think you've got a hold of some crazy idea somewhere. God knows what that is. Now, I want to speak to you privately. Let's take a little walk. No. I don't like conversing on my feet. If you want to say something without a witness, Miss Welts and Mr. Goodwin can leave us. Archie? Miss Welts, let's go and pick flowers. 
Mr. Unger will want me in sight uh, and out of hearing. All right. You seem to be uh, oh, out of goldenrod, I know. But what are the blue ones? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, this, this should be far enough. Unless he uses a megaphone. Well, I admit he'd be a maniac to jump wolf under the circumstances, but uh, maybe he is one. What? I learned a long time ago that people involved in a murder case, nothing is impossible. He is not involved in a murder case. And he will be before Mr. Wolf gets through with him. <laughs> hey, 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 no, no, that's no way to do it. Open a valve and let it out. He'd see. Hunger. Oh, God, help me. It would be wonderful if someone could put his arms around me and tell me, all right, my darling, I'll take care of everything. Just leave it to me. Oh, that would be wonderful. I may try it if you'll brief me on what I'd have to take care of. God, I'm a fool. You saw my car out front. The yellow jack. I am going to burn it. How do you set fire to a car? You pour gasoline on it, all over the inside, toss a match in, and jump back faster. You'll send your eyelashes. Is it a bluff? Is is Wolf just trying to scare something out of us? No, not just. If he scares something out, fine. If not, he'll get it the hard way. If you're sitting on a lid you don't want open, my advice is to move. <laughs> now, the sooner the better, or you may get hurt. I am already hurt. Then hurt worse. I guess I can be. You asked what these blue flowers are? Mm -hmm. They're wild asters. Just the color of my eyes. Mm -hmm. Well, I already know what I'm going to do, and I decided walking over here with you. What time is it? Uh, quarter past three. Well, let's see. It's four hours. It's, if I, uh, where can I see Nero Wolf around nine o'clock in town? Well, his address and number are in the book, but he may not be there this evening. Well, I've got... The phone and ask for Fritz. Fritz? Tell him you're the Queen of Hearts. <laughs> and he'll tell you where Wolf is. Now, if you don't say you're the Queen of Hearts, he won't tell you anything because I... Mr. Wolf hates to be disturbed when he's out. Look, but why not, why not save time and trouble? No. Now, evidently, you've decided to tell him something, and there he is. Come, we'll tell him now. Uh, I, 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 I can't, you see. I don't dare. On account of hunger? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, if we'll go and we'll come back after Unger leaves. He is not going to leave. He's going to ride to town with me. Then record it on tape and use me for the tape. You can trust my memory. I guarantee to repeat it to Mr. Wolf word for word. When you phone this evening, you'll have had time to think. He... Come on, he's afraid I'm talking. If you tell him, I'll deny it. Are you going to tell him? Wolf, yes, but Unger, no. Because if you do, I'll deny it. Then I won't. I have a little item for you. Then stop somewhere. I can't talk like this. We got a nibble. She has something to say to you, but she has to say it to you tonight after she's ditched hunger. Confound it. She was in a panic. It'll wear off. Well, it may, and so? Yeah, I'll go back and do it over if you'll write me a script. Fouillet, I don't say I could better it. You're a connoisseur of comely young women, aren't you? Is she a murderer in a funk trying to wriggle out, or what is she? I pass. She's trying to wriggle, all right, but for matter what, I need six guesses. What did Unger want privately? Is he trying to wriggle, too? Yes. Offered me money, $5,000, then $10,000. For what? Not clearly defined. 
a retaining fee for, investigative services. He was crude about it for a man with brains. I'll be damned. What did you tell him? That I resented and scorned his attempt to suborn me. He was in a panic, and it'll wear off. Why not string him along? Oh, it would take time, and I haven't any. I told him I intend to appear in court tomorrow morning. Tomorrow? With what, for God's sake? Well, at least with a diversion. If Miss Welch's panic endures, possibly with something better. Uh-huh, I get it. Deciding to go back to court tomorrow makes it possible for you to go home. Yeah. Okay, I'll get you there by 5 o'clock. No, we're not going home. Huh? Mr. Kramer will have a man posted there all night, probably with a warrant. Uh, and a hotel would be risky, too. Wait a minute. Isn't Saul Panzer's apartment conveniently located? Yes, but he only has one bed. We'll manage somehow. All right. Go ahead. To the city. Right. You will be able to see our destination as we approach. The beautiful downtown residence of this country's second best private investigator, Saul Panzer. Thank heaven. Fasten your seat belts and no smoke. Gee. Why did you do that? Because we don't want to see Saul after all. What flummery is this? No flummery. Sergeant Pearlie Stebbins was just turning in at the entrance. Did he see us? I don't think so. God, yes, sir. Next stop, please. Oh, you're enjoying this. I am like hell. I was going to watch a ball game tonight. Confound it. You told Saul about Miss Welch when you called? Yes, sir. I told him you'd rather have an hour alone with the Queen of Hearts and a blue orchid. You know Saul. And you looked up Mr. Donovan's address? Like you told me. How long will it take to drive there? Ten minutes. All right. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Just sit back and try to relax. And Archie Goodwin. What kind of a trick is this? My maid told me Judge Wolf. I merely evaded vulgar curiosity. I had to see you, Mr. Donovan. But you can't see me. It's, it's highly improper. You're a witness for the prosecution, and I'm the defense attorney. Also, a warrant has been issued for you. I'll have to report. I'm this. not here as a witness for the prosecution. I don't intend to discuss my testimony with you. I have become aware of certain facts which I think your client, Leonard Ash, should know about, and I want to tell him. I suppose it would be improper for me to tell you more than that, but it wouldn't be improper to tell him. He's on trial for first-degree murder. You know damn well you can't see him. I can, if you arrange it. Early tomorrow morning will do before the court sits. You may, of course, be present if you wish, but I suppose you'd prefer not to. Twenty minutes with him will be enough. I can't ask you what you want to tell him. I understand that. I won't be on the witness stand where you can cross-examine me until tomorrow. No, you won't. No. No, I can't arrange for you to see him. It's out of the question. I shouldn't even be talking to you. It will be my duty to report this to Judge Corbett in the morning. Good evening, gentlemen. He's saying he'll report to the judge in the morning, and he didn't intend to phone the DA now, but he might change his mind. We better get out of this area fast. Yes. Where to now? Find a phone. See if that woman has called Saul yet, and is it safe to go to his apartment? Okay. And get Mrs. Leonard Ash. I have to see her. Arrange it. You mean tonight? Now. Well, that should be a sense. She's probably sitting there hoping a couple of strange detectives will drop in. Hey, do I have to be Judge Goodwin? No. We are ourselves. 
dead tired, Mr. Wolf, and empty. Completely empty. I don't think I ever... I'll make it as brief as I can. What is it? Of course, it's something about my husband. I have information that will be of considerable value to your husband. Information that could raise sufficient doubts in the minds of the jury to get him acquitted. To get him acquitted? It, it could. The problem is to get the information to the jury. It would take intricate and prolonged investigation to get it in the form of admissible evidence, and I have a shortcut in mind. To take it, I must have a talk with your husband. But he's in prison. How can you? I must. I've just called on his attorney and asked him to arrange it, which is futile as I expected. Since I'm a witness for the prosecution, he feels it improper for him even to talk with me, let alone arrange an interview for me with his client. But you are under no such prescription. You mean you want me to get you in? You are the wife of a man on trial for his life. It would not be impossible for you to get permission to talk with your husband tomorrow morning before the court convenes, and you can take me with you. But there's a warrant out for your arrest. The papers Don't say that you... Don't mention me in getting the permission. Simply take me with you. How will you do it? I... I don't see how I can... You just want to talk with him? Yes. What do you want to tell him? I can't tell you that now. It might compromise my plan to get it to the jury. I can't risk that. But at least you can tell me what it's about. How can I be sure that you... Oh, you say you're tired, madam. So am I. At considerable risk to my reputation, my self-esteem, possibly even my bodily freedom, I'm undertaking a step which should be useful to your husband, and I'm asking your help. But I'm not asking you to risk anything. You've nothing to lose. I have. Of course, I've made an assumption that may not be valid, that whether or not you're sincerely devoted to your husband, you don't want him convicted of murder. Now, I can't guarantee... You didn't have to say that. I'm devoted to my husband. I love him very dearly. He acted like a fool, but I love him very much. I certainly don't want him convicted of murder. Ah. And you'll do it? All right. I have nothing more to lose. But if I do this, I'll have to tell Mr. Donovan... No, you must not. Not only would he forbid it, he would prevent it. This is for you alone. Oh. Only you can do this. Oh, I thought I was too tired to live, and I am. But it would be a relief to do something. I'm going to do it. I will do it. Leave this to me. Where can I reach you? Uh... Saul's number, Archie. Well, a good room, Saul. I congratulate you. Mm -hmm. I'm glad it can be of use to you, Mr. Wolf. <sighs> what time is it? Forty minutes to ten. Have you heard from that woman? Mrs. Ash called. You have an appointment at eight o'clock in the morning. Ah, satisfactory. And Miss Welch, the uh, Queen of Hearts, has she called? Not yet. Past the time, she says. It could be in the soup. Soup? Uh, Saul. Uh, oh. <laughs> Have some uh, beer, cheese, good cheese. <laughs> Thank you, Saul. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Quarter to one. Our lady's panic wore off. Well, I'm going to bed. Huh. I'm afraid I haven't got any pajamas you could get into, but I got it. 
This is Jackson 43109. Hello, I want to speak to... Uh, uh, this is the Queen of Hearts. It sure is. This is Archie Goodwin. Where are you? I'm, I'm in a booth in Grand Central. I couldn't get rid of him, and then he... Well, that doesn't matter now, but where are you? With Mr. Wolf waiting for you, close to Grand Central. I'll meet you at the information booth, upper level in five minutes. Will you be there? Yes. Sure. Of course I will. <clears throat> Make some coffee, will you, Saul? She'll either need that or bourbon. whom I called yesterday, but he was not available. I learned only a few minutes ago that he is present. You will remember that on my application, you issued a warrant for Mr. Nero Wolf. Yes, I do. Is he here? Yes, he is. Nero Wolf. I have some questions for you, Mr. Wolf. After you're sworn. Take the Bible in your right hand. You swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God. I do. Mr. Wolf. You knew who you were to be called yesterday, but you left the courtroom. Yes, sir. If your reason for leaving is unsatisfactory, you are in contempt of court. Do you understand that? Yes, sir. Then, why did you leave? You are under oath. Your Honor, I respectfully ask your indulgence. My reason for leaving is inherent in my testimony, and therefore I would rather plead on the charge of contempt afterwards, if the court will permit. I'll still be here. Indeed you will. You're under arrest. No, I'm not. You're not under arrest? No, sir. I came here voluntarily. Well, you are now. (laughs) Officer, this man is under arrest. Very well. You will answer to the contempt charge later. Proceed, Mr. Mandelbaum. Mr. Wolfe, have you ever met the defendant in this case? That gentleman? Yes, sir. That's Mr. Leonard Ash. Where and under what circumstances did you meet him? He called on me at my office on July 13th of this year. What did he say to you on that occasion? That he had, the preceding day, arranged for an answering service for his home telephone. That he wanted to hire me to propose to the switchboard operator assigned his number that she eavesdrop on calls made on it and report to me. Did he say why he wanted to make that arrangement? No. Did the defendant suggest any inducement to be offered this person to get her to do the eavesdrop? He didn't name a sum, but he indicated... Not what he indicated, what he said. He said that he would make it worth a while, but stated no amount. What else did he say? That's about all. The entire conversation lasted only a few minutes since I refused to do it. Did you tell him why you refused? Yes, sir. Well, what did you say? I said that I excluded from my field anything that smacked of marital difficulties and the Yes? Well, what else did you say to him? I'd like to be sure I understand the question. Do you mean what I said to him that day or on a later occasion? Well, I mean that day, of course. There was no later occasion, was there? Yes, sir. When and where did this meeting take place? Shortly after nine o'clock this morning in this building. You met and spoke with the defendant in this building today? Yes, sir. Under what circumstances? His wife arranged to see and speak with him, and she allowed me to accompany her. How did she arrange it? With whom? I don't know. Was Mr. Donovan the defense counsel present? No, sir. 
Don't you know that it is a misdemeanor for a witness for the state to talk with a defendant charged with a felony? No, sir, I don't. I understand it would depend on what was said. I didn't discuss my testimony with Mr. Ash. What did you discuss? Certain matters which I thought would be of interest to him. What matters? What exactly did you say? Uh, I, uh... I said that yesterday, seated in this room awaiting your convenience, I had formed a surmise that certain questions raised by the murder of Marie Willis had not been sufficiently considered and investigated, and that therefore my role as a witness for the prosecution was an uncomfortable one. I said that I had determined to satisfy myself on certain points, that I knew that in leaving the courtroom I would become liable to a penalty for contempt of court, but that the integrity of justice was more important than my personal ease, that I had been confident that Judge Corbett was a man... If you please, Mr. Wolfe, you are not now pleading to a charge of contempt. (laughs) No, sir. You asked what I said to Mr. Ash. He asked what surmise I had formed, and I told him, first, that as one with long experience in the investigation of crime and culprits, I had an appreciable doubt of his guilt. Second, that the police had been so taken by the circumstances pointing to Mr. Ash, his obvious motive, his discovery of the body, that their attention in other directions had possibly been somewhat dulled. So it occurred to me... This court is not interested in what occurred to you, Mr. Wolfe, only in what you said to Mr. Ash. Yes, sir. I said to Mr. Ash that it occurred to me as I sat in his room yesterday and heard Mr. Bagby describe the operation of the switchboard that an unscrupulous operator might, by listening in on conversations, gain information that could be turned to account. A blackmailer, for instance, might... This is mere speculation, Mr. Wolfe. Did you say all that to the defendant? Oh, yes, sir. How long were you with him? Only the half an hour. I can say a great deal in half an hour. No doubt. But the time of the court and jury should not be spent on irrelevancies. You didn't discuss your testimony with the defendant? No, sir. That's all. No more questions. Do you wish to cross-examine, Mr. Donovan? Yes, Your Honor. I wish to state that I knew nothing of the meeting this morning of the witness and my client. I only learned of it here and now. If you think it desirable, I will take the stand to be questioned about it under oath. I don't think so, Mr. Donovan. Not unless development suggested. At any time, of course. Mr. Wolfe, why did you seek an interview this morning with Mr. Ash? Because I had acquired information which cast a reasonable doubt on his guilt. And I wanted to get it before the court and the jury without delay. It occurred to me that if I talked with Mr. Ash, the fact would probably be disclosed in the course of my examination by Mr. Mandelbaum. And uh, if so, he would almost certainly ask me what had been said. Therefore, I wanted to tell Mr. Ash what I'd surmised and discovered. If Mr. Mandelbaum allowed me to tell all I'd said to Mr. Ash, that would do it. If he dismissed me before I finished, I thought it likely that on cross-examination, the defense attorney would give me an opportunity to go on. So I sought an interview with Mr. Ash. Did you say more to Mr. Ash than you have already testified to? Uh, yes, sir. Please tell the jury what you said to him. I said that. My assistant and I went to the office of Bagby Answers, where Marie Willis was murdered, that from a look at the switchboards, I concluded that it would be impossible for any one operator... Objection, Your Honor. Conclusions of the witness are not admissible. He is merely relating what he said to Mr. Ash, the assistant district attorney, asked him to. (laughs) The objection is overruled. I said 
I had concluded that it would be impossible for any one operator to eavesdrop frequently on her lines without the others becoming aware of it, and therefore it must be done collusively. I said that I had spoken at some length with four of the people connected with Bagby Answers throughout the day. Miss Alice Hart, uh, Bella Velardi, Helen Welsh, Mr. Guy Unger, and had received two encouragements for my surmise. One, that it was evident that their personal expenditures greatly exceeded their salaries. And two, that all of them were visibly disturbed at my declared intention of investigating them fully and ruthlessly. Indeed, uh, Miss Welch was disturbed to a point approaching hysteria, and Mr. Unger to offering me $10,000 for services which he did not specify. You said all that, Mr. Ash? Oh, yes, sir. And that Helen Welch, broken down by my attack and her own sense of guilt, arranged to meet with me privately where she confessed that for years the operation had been used precisely as I had surmised. All of the switchboard operators have been parties to it, including Marie Willis. The dean, Alice Hart, collected the information. That, that is Miss Hart and Miss Villardi just leaving, sir. Officer, no one is to leave the room. Order! Order! Go ahead, Mr. Wolf. Thank you, Your Honor. Alice Hart collected information from them and gave them cash for it in addition to their salaries. Guy Unger and Clyde Bagby also gave them cash occasionally. So in three years, Miss Welch received a total of approximately $15,000, not counting her salary. Do you know where Helen Welch is now? Yes, sir, she's present. I told her that if she came and faced it, the district attorney might show appreciation for her help. Hmm. Have you anything to add? Uh, that you told Mr. Ash this morning? I have, Your Honor. Uh, do you wish me to differentiate clearly between what Helen Wells told me and my own exposition? No, no, no. Anything whatever that you said to Mr. Ash. Ah. Marie Willis had been ordered by both Unger and Bagby to accept Mr. Ash's proposal to eavesdrop on his line and not to tell Mrs. Ash. But she'd refused and announced that she was going to quit. Now, of course, that made her an intolerable peril to everyone concerned. The success of the operation hinged on the fact that no victim ever had any reason to suspect that Bagby Answers was responsible for his distress. It was Bagby who got the information, but it was Unger who used it, and the tormented under the screw would not know where the tormentor had got the screw. So Ms. Willis's decision to quit and expose the whole business was a mortal menace to any and all of them. Ample provocation for murder. I told Mr. Ash that all this established a reasonable doubt of his guilt. And I went beyond that and considered the most likely candidate to replace him. Do you wish that to? Yes, proceed. I told Mr. Ash that I greatly preferred Mr. Bagby. The mutual alibi of Miss Hart and Miss Velarde might be successfully impeached, but they do have it. I exclude Miss Welch because when she came to me last evening, she'd been jolted into utter candor or I am a witless gun. And that excludes Mr. Unger, too, because Miss Welch is certain he was on his boat the whole evening. And that leaves Mr. Bagby. He admits that he went to his apartment around the time of the murder, and his apartment is near where the murder occurred. I leave the timetable to the police. They are extremely efficient with timetables. And I think... That covers everything, Your Honor. Now, I would now like to plead to the charge of contempt. Mr. Wolf. you know quite well that you have made that charge frivolous by the situation you have created. The charge is dismissed. 
got off because Nero Wolf hated to sit against a perfumed woman on a wooden bench. The irony, of course, is that Wolf didn't get off. Six months later, he was subpoenaed again, this time as a witness in the case of the state versus Clyde Bagby. Only this time, the defendant was found guilty. episode were Maver Moore as Nero Wolf and Don Franks as Archie Goodwin. Michael Ayub was Mandelbaum. Bill Lynn, Clyde Bagby. Arch McDonald, Donovan. Robert Christie, Judge Corbett. Patricia Moffat, Bella Velarde. Terry Tweed, Helen Wells. John Evans, Guy Unger. Denise Ferguson, Robina Ash. Dixie Seatle, Alice Hart. And Alfie Scott was Saul Panzer. Music was composed and conducted by Don Gillis. Technical operations were by John Jessup. Sound effect by Bill Robinson. Production assistant was Nancy McElveen, and casting consultant was Ann Weldon Tate. The Next Witness was written and produced in Toronto by Ron Hartman. Next week, Death of a Demon, with guest stars Mary Peary, Bud Knapp, Patricia Hamilton, Helen Hughes, and Mina E. Mina. Thank you.